We're looking at a psalm that speaks to that speaks to the weak and the weary. Psalm twenty-three. I don't know how many of you guys right now are feeling tired or exhausted, depleted. Um, I don't know how many of you guys feel like you're maybe on the edge of a breakdown, or you're in the middle of a semester, winding down towards the end. A lot of deadlines coming up, a lot of projects. A lot of different things that's on your plate. And during these kind of times, these tiring times, it might be really tough to just trust in the Lord, right? It's really hard to even think about God when you're in the middle of just like trying to cram your studies, just trying to complete your homework. And you feel like you're not really experiencing God day by day. You're wondering if your prayers, if he's truly listening to them. I want you guys to look here with me at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 then is for you. It is perhaps the most well-known psalm in the Psalter. Um, And there's good reason for this. The psalm has served as a comforter for many saints. It's a refresher for weary souls. It's a psalm that lifts up tired voices to sing worship and praise to our Lord. And perhaps then, for many of you guys here, in the midst of your semester, in the midst of your studies, your work, your responsibilities, perhaps you, if you, even if you know this psalm well, you perhaps this is a time for you to hear this psalm again for your own soul. So turn with me to Psalm 23. And here we're going to find three illustrations on how God will provide and restore His people. How God will nourish them and tend to their greatest needs. Guys, this is psalm is about how God cares for you. So let's take a look at the psalm. Psalm 23. I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, just, just to make note in terms of how you guys read psalms. Re- always read the, the subheading. Right? It's, uh, it's actually part of the inspired word of God. So it's, it tells us. It gives us context. Here it tells us that this psalm, Psalm 23, is a psalm of David. So King David wrote this psalm. This is God's word. Psalm David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In here, this psalm is well known for knowing that the Lord is our shepherd. But there's actually three different illustrations used here. Three different illustrations. We see an illustration of God as a shepherd, God as a host, and God as the head of his house. And in these three illustrations, we will see that God shepherds his people. He honors his people. He pursues his people. The, the big idea of the psalm is simple. It's a trust in the Lord throughout all your life as He shepherds you, honors you, and pursues you. And that's what we're going to see here. 
first thing we're going to see is that the Lord shepherds his people. The Lord shepherds his people. I, I didn't have that much time because I was trying to uh, battle, for my, battle for my sword through it. So I, my slides are actually very simple today. It's just going to be this slide. Um, didn't have too much time to prepare more details on the slides. But the first one we see here is the Lord shepherds his people. The Lord shepherds his people. But we see this right away in the first line. Right, we see here that the David David looked up to God and he says, "The Lord is my shepherd." And we immediately see here a, a close relationship between David and the Lord. David sees God and recognizes Him as his personal shepherd. And the shepherd and his flock, did they have a close? In deep connection, right? Uh, a shepherd knows his flock. It was said back in the ancient times that when multiple flocks will mingle together, a shepherd will be able to pick out every single one of his sheep and separate them from the other flocks. He knows his sheep. He knows his flock. At night, if a shepherd is to call out to his flock, the sheep will respond to his voice and they will come to him. They know so not only does the shepherd know the sheep, the sheep knows the shepherd as well. There's this relationship there, a deep relationship between the shepherd and the flock. And this disconnection is has built over time, and it's and this relationship is mainly built not because of any effort from the sheep, but it's really from the laborious love of the shepherd. The shepherd is the one who pours in all the work into building this relationship. Shepherding is, is hard work. Now, you guys, I, I don't know how much you guys thought about shepherding. Never, I don't think any of you guys have a career necessarily you're going to go into shepherding. But it's, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work to shepherd sheep. It's demanding, it's solitary, it's oftentimes dangerous. A shepherd must always keep watch over his sheep. He must protect them. If a sheep gets lost, a shepherd needs to leave the rest of his flock and pursue that sheep to bring him back. David here, King David, who wrote the psalm, he, he knew what it meant to be a shepherd. Remember, before he was a king, before he even battled Goliath, he was a shepherd boy. He said this in First, in first Samuel chapter 17, verse 34-35. Uh, in First Samuel chapter 17, David is being prepared to go battle Goliath. And, and Saul at the time was like, who are you, young man, to face against this Warrior, you're not even trained for battle, and this is how David responded. He says, "Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear, and and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his by his beard and struck him, and killed him." See, a shepherd, shepherd's a, a man's man. He's a strong man. Uh, this, this is not, you, we constantly think about, you know, a shepherd probably because of Jesus is our good shepherd. And we think about someone who's tender, someone who's gentle. And, and surely that is true. But, I mean, look at this man. He, David, he's like, I can face Goliath. It's just like facing against a, a lion, a bear. I will kill them in order to save my sheep. See, a shepherd is strong. He would 
protect his own. And so here we see that the Lord's a shepherd and David. And remember, David, David was, he was a man's man. He was a robust, strong, independent, young man. But David is saying that the Lord is his shepherd. He's saying then that he is the sheep in this relationship. He is the sheep. And sheep, to be frank, they're, they're stupid, right? Frank or, uh, I mean, sorry, not Frank. Sheep. Sheep is, uh, <laughs> sheep is stupid animals, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard a story back in 2005 in Turkey when there was an incident with 1,500 feet, 1,500 sheep um, went off a cliff, right? They went off a cliff because there was this, well, this these sheep, they were, grazing and the shepherds left them alone and one sheep just one sheep went off the cliff and died and then all of a sudden the mass of the flocks just followed that one sheep all of them jumping off that cliff and it was said that from that 1500 sheep that went off the cliff that the shepherds were they're helpless it just happened so fast they couldn't stop them 500 of them died and the only reason why the rest of them survived is because the bodies were piled up on top of one another that the rest of them just fell on top and were cushioned by the dead bodies. That's how dumb sheep are. And so, and so to, for David to call then to his Lord to be his shepherd, David is really saying that the Lord is the one who will care for him. The Lord is the one who will feed him. The Lord is the one who will lead him, will protect him. David is saying that even though he's this warrior, he's the one who defeated Goliath. He is the one who, who united the kingdoms. He's the one who ruled over Israel and ushered in a kingdom of peace. Even though David is all this, he's saying that he will be utterly lost and completely useless without the Lord his shepherd. How do you view God? Do you see God in this way? Your trust in the Lord begins first with how you understand your relationship with Him. I mean, just examine your prayers. What, what, are, you, what are you asking God? And how are you asking Him? Are you asking God to fix your problems because you expect Him to? Or perhaps you're asking God to fix your problems because He is... Your last hope. You did everything you could and now you don't know what else to do. Or maybe you're just praying to God and you're not really, you're kind of just saying the words, but you don't fully believe that God would really do anything about it. How do you pray to God? Look here how David goes to God. David looks to God and he sees him as the only one who could provide him true protection, true comfort. David recognizes that without God, he is at his absolute bottom. You see, David doesn't go to God out of desperation. God is not his last resort. It's not like his, all his options are exhausted. David goes to God here with confidence. He knows that the Lord is his shepherd. And David approaches God with confidence. He approaches God with out of necessity because there's really no one else David can depend on, not even himself. David goes to his shepherd in joy, knowing that God will indeed listen 
and God will care. That is what is here in this first statement. The Lord is my shepherd. And David goes to God. He knows when he goes to his shepherd, he says, I shall not want. He knows when he goes to the Lord, he will not leave empty-handed. The, the phrase here, I shall not want, literally means, I shall not be lacking. Right? So, so there's something different than saying, I, I don't longer want anything, no longer desire anything. He's saying, I no longer lack anything. I have everything I need. See, David here is satisfied. He knows that he'll be fed. He knows that his thirst will be quenched. He knows that his clothes will be cleaned and pressed. His body will feel refreshed. His mind, his heart relaxed. The Lord God knows exactly what we need. And keep that in mind, guys. We are sheep in this relationship. Well, we're dumb. We, we, don't, we don't really know what we want. We think we do. But we don't know what we want. We don't know what we're talking about sometimes. Right? We, 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 tend to, we tend to think we can do all these things, but we, and we, we can ask God. We ask God for this and that. We think we know what we're asking for, but we don't. Now, just to show another video of how sheep is dumb, I actually put this together. I mean, just, just take a look at this. Here's a sheep that's stuck in the ditch. Shepherd got him out. And then... Back into the ditch. <laughs> this guy's like, what the heck? And then he walks away. <laughs> Alright, so that's just that <laughs> That's that's sheep, guys. That's we don't know what we want. We don't know we we don't know what we want, but God God does. See, sometimes we complain to God as if we're not getting what we want. And, and we feel like God isn't really listening to us. We feel like we've been praying over and over again. Nothing's changed. And it's during these times that perhaps we need a new perspective. Perhaps we need to re-examine our circumstances, thinking that God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what our hearts desire. In fact, He knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes it just takes time for us to see exactly what God is doing in our lives. I remember I was in such a position coming out of college when I didn't want to move back after graduating from UC Irvine, move back to my parents. I really did not want to go back to my parents. And I wanted to stay out in Irvine, find jobs somewhere else out there, have an excuse to get an apartment out there wasn't getting any offers. But the one offer I did get was back in Diamond Bar, where I had to move back home. And, and I was like, God, why? Why is this the only offer you're allowing me to have? Turns out the company I, I ended up working for, and I ended up working there for 10 years, it was, it was probably one of the greatest experiences I ever had. And the fact that I was able to move back home meant I stayed here at this church, and now I'm a pastor here. It's God knew exactly where to guide my life, even though he wasn't giving me what I wanted at the time. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. 
we can trust in our Lord the same way that sheep trust in their shepherd. Meaning God can take us wherever he will. Whatever situation, whatever context, recognize that God will sustain you through it. God will hold you. He will protect you. He will lead you all the way through. Uh, the, the rest of uh, verses 2 to 4 tells us exactly all the different ways God does not leave us lacking in every circumstances. And in verse 2, uh, in the first part of verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Here, God does not leave us lacking in sustenance. He gives us exactly what we need to be sustained through whatever trial we face. Uh, the green pastures here literally means a pasture of young, fresh grass. It's talking about a meadow of new grass that's growing after the morning rain. So this is new grass. This is young Leaves, so they're full of nutrients. They're vibrant, they're green. They're, this, this is not old, dried up, like food given to us. God doesn't just feed his sheep dirty old grass. He gives them the best, the best parts of the land. He takes care of his sheep well. See, God will give you everything you need to sustain yourself. You're not, you're when you're coming to God, you're not left thinking, well. Thanks for that free sample, God. I'm now just going to go over there and try that thing. You know, it's, it's just, in other words, no matter whatever difficulty you're facing, God has supplied you with the spiritual strength you need to get through it. It says here, not only does he make me lie down in green pastures, but he leaves me besides still waters. God does not leave, it, leave us lacking in refreshments. We don't lack refreshments. In the midst of our difficulties, sometimes, if we're really being honest, right? when we're going through trials, we're going through hard times, the hardest person to deal with is sometimes yourself, right? You look at the mirror during those times and and you're tempted to see all you see is a failure you see yourselves as unworthy in those most tiring weakest moments you just you don't want to face yourself and your and your ugliness and you simply just hate yourself for not being able to get through whatever trial you're going through friends instead of just focusing upon yourself the psalmist here, David, is telling you to focus upon God. You see, God wants to lead you out of the chaos to find rest by still waters. He wants you to find peace in Him. He says here that God, He wants to restore your soul. He wants to restore your soul. The word restore here, it means to return back to His original state. And so if you're broken and weary, God wants to fix you. So you can start running again. The word restore, it can also be translated, if it's talking about a human who restores himself, it can be translated as repent. But because God here is the subject, right? He's the one who's doing the restoring. It's, it's really talking about God. He's not repenting, but he is in the act of restoring you, which means he is forgiving you. He is forgiving you of your sins. He is showing mercy to you. You see, it is our sins that make us feel weak and worthless in difficult times. 
Our sins make us think of ourselves so lowly. We have this guilt weighing upon us, blame, shame. God is telling you that you don't need to feel the weight of your sins. You don't need to feel the weight of your inadequacies upon your shoulders. God is saying, I accept you for who you are and I forgive you. I want to restore your soul. And that's, that's a wonderful thing to hear from your shepherd. He's telling you that there is no black sheep in his flock, but he accepts you. And he wants to take care of you. In verse 3, he says, after he restores my soul, he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here we see that God does not leave us lacking in guidance. He doesn't leave us lacking in guidance. And God doesn't lead you astray. His path is always the right path, a path of righteousness. And there are times when we will question God's will, right? Wondering, to, you, you're wondering sometimes, do I really have to reconcile with this person? Do I really have to be the bigger man here? Do I really have to do the right thing? God is saying that follow his paths. They are indeed paths of righteousness. But note here, he says he leads you in these paths for his name's sake. What does that mean? It means he's putting his reputation on the line. A commentator said this way, In the ancient world, a shepherd's reputation depends on his ability to lead the sheep in the right direction. He mustn't lose a single sheep when he reaches his destination. See, if a shepherd loses a sheep from his flock, his reputation as a shepherd goes down. God is putting his name's sake his reputation on the line here. Meaning, when God is leading you, and you're part of His flock, He will not lose you. Even if you step off His righteous path for a moment, and you're going astray, God will always go out to bring you back. He will restore you. He will find you. And He will find you, He will take care of you, He will bring you back to the righteous path. You see, you can trust your great shepherd. And in verse 4, we see here that God doesn't leave us lacking in protection. And here, we see, David here writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, no matter where you go. And here, the, the shadow of death is really the, the literal translation is this valley of this deep darkness. So, so imagine yourself in the darkness and you're, you're sheep. You're, you can't fend for yourself. All you do is bob. You fall on your side. You're stuck, right? You can't get back up. You're, 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 just, you're defenseless. You're vulnerable. And you're, you can't see anything. And it's dark. What happens? You're afraid. You're afraid of your surroundings. You're afraid of where you are. It's a deep darkness. This is really here is talking about times when your fears, your anxieties, all that comes up. And you're shaking, you're rattled. You see, when we deal with fears and anxieties, we're constantly embattled by these worries. And when that happens, our minds are racing to the worst case scenario, right? 
who are constantly thinking about the worst case scenario when we're afraid. In moments like this, it's important to remember that the Lord is with you, that He is indeed your shield, your protection. The Lord is protecting you. He's protecting you with His rod and His staff. See, the rod and staff are two instruments used by shepherds to fend off predators, to fend off dangers. They're, they're weapons to God's enemies, but when you see them, they're your comforts because you know that they will protect you. And so God does not leave you lacking in protection. We see here in verses 1-4 through four that God shepherds His people. He shepherds them well. Then starting in verse 5, we, the imagery changes. It's no longer God as being a shepherd, but now God as a host. He's a host of a banquet table that's prepared for His people. And here we see that God, the Lord, honors His people. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord honors His people. See, God here, He's providing what's best for His people. He'll feed them, He'll take care of them. But more than that, more than that He'll honor them. They will have a seat at his table, right? We got here this banquet table, and it's prepared. And it's prepared, it says, in the presence of David's enemies. <coughs> this table is in the presence of our enemies. The idea here is that God, God will provide safety and protection while we, his guests, get to enjoy the spread that's laid before us. This imagine was on this table. Right? We can eat and drink in peace. Because God, God will protect you from his enemies. See, God here is a gracious host. He will take care of his guests. He will prepare them food. He will anoint each one of them. It says here he will anoint, he will anoint David with oil. Right? He will anoint David with oil. And this is here a sign of honor. Um, oil. Oil is a sign of honor that's given from the host to the guest. So if a guest comes into your house back then and he anoints oil, anoints oil on you, it's, it's to show that, hey, come in. It's great. I, I welcome you here. Uh, and during that time, the oil here is, it was a duty in the life of the host to use it to freshen up his guests, right? So, you know, if you guys ever, if I invite you guys to my home and I start bringing the olive oil out, don't be afraid. You know, just, just, just being biblical here, right? Just being biblical. Just kidding, I, I won't do that to you guys. Um, but what's, what's going on here is that the, the guests, the guests here were most likely working out in the, in the sun. Like, not, not like working out way too wide, but like they're, they're laboring out there, right? They're laboring out in the suns. They're laboring out in the sun. They're, they're probably day laborers, right? Just working the field. And, and they're, they're tired, they're dirty, and they're probably dried out from the sun. And so the oil here was, it's like the modern day lotion. It's used here to refresh them, to clean them, so that when they enter into the house, they become guests of honor to the host. You see, the host here, doesn't, it's not just, he's not just feeding weary souls. The host here, the Lord, is refreshing them. He's refreshing them so that they can eat the meal feeling rejuvenated. And joyful and clean. David here recognizes that when he's with the Lord, his cup 
overflows. The, the word overflow here, the word literally means saturated. So, so imagine like a, a, this wet towel that's drenched, right? And, and it's just dripping with water. It's completely saturated. David here's cup, his portion, is filled to the brim and overflowing. It's completely flow. It's completely full. David here, he truly does not lack when he's with the Lord. It reminds us that we have more than we can ever ask for when it comes to God. You know, oftentimes when we're troubled and we're anxious, or we become anxious because we idolize what we have in this world over what we have in the Lord. Right? We become worried about missing out on the next big thing, which is why we need to watch, you know, the next biggest movie, right? Get get out there, watch Black Panther 2 or something. And we, we, we need to we worry about all these different things in our life. We need to worry about our next test, our next class. We worry about whether or not we wasted our college years. We worry about finding a job. We worry about all these different things in life of dating and marriage and just all these different things. And I'm not saying that these things aren't important. But in the midst of our worry, we tend to lose sight of what we have in the Lord. We tend to lose sight, don't we? In the midst of times when we're just so anxious and worried about these small things that we face day to day. And we lose sight of what we truly have in the Lord. We lose sight first and foremost of the God's grace and mercy that's found in the, in the blood of Christ. That the salvation gift that we have from God is, is more precious than anything that we can have in this world. And we forget that when we're in filled anxiety, right? But more than that, in Christ, we, we forget that we have the church. We have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to help you, walk with you, go through whatever trouble you have. And we forget about, we forget about the family, the church family. Sometimes in the midst of our worry, we forget about our parents. Uh, the Lord has given us our parents, right? We didn't choose our parents. None of us chose our parents. The, God has given them to you. And their parents care for you. They feed you. They give you shelter. They give you what you need to survive, to live in this world. And that's not to mention the thousand other blessings in your life that you have in the midst of your struggles. I mean, most of us here, we, we have driver license, we have a car, we, you're in college, meaning you're getting an opportunity to have higher level education. Not everybody gets that opportunity. You have the means to feed yourself. You live in America and California, and even though you know this nation might be in turmoil, depending on how you look at it, it's still economically strong enough for you to survive, for you to have you know, opportunities for a job. You, you're, you forget sometimes that just the small things you have, the clothes on your back, a bed, food on your table, the fact that you can walk, the fact that you can see, all these things and so on. I mean, think about the millions of blessings you have in your life. Does not your cup overflow with the Lord's blessings? Sometimes we just need to remember that in the midst of our struggles. 
And lastly, in verse 6, we see here that the Lord pursues his people. The Lord pursues his people. You see, if you're afraid that one day God might leave you, that perhaps you're the black sheep of the flock, and you're just saying, nope, not worth it anymore. Verse 6 reminds us that this will never be the case. And it says here, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, the word mercy here is better translated as steadfast or loyal love. And it's really the main attribute, characteristic of God when, when we talk about God's covenantal love for his people. A covenant is really God's relationship with his people. So we talk about his covenant love, it's this special, unique love for his people. This word mercy or steadfast love defines that. It describes that. And in translation here, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's not a very accurate translation. It's, it isn't the merely fact that goodness and mercy are like trailing you like little rubber duckies. But it's, it's, the line is more saying that goodness and mercy or goodness and steadfast love is pursuing you. It's pursuing you. It means here, we're really talking about God. God and His steadfast love is pursuing you. And He will not stop until He has you into His dwelling place forever. You see, David here recognizes that it isn't merely Him following His shepherd, but it's His shepherd who truly pursues after Him. And after meditating upon all this, meditating upon the goodness of the Lord, upon His steadfast love, seeing God as shepherd, as provider, as protector, David finds that there is no other place he'd rather be than in the house of his Lord. I should dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. What an amazing statement. I chose to preach on Psalm 23 because one of the only topics that were brought to me to preach during this time was to talk about trusting God's will. Trusting God's will in your life. And I'll talk more about how to trust in God's will next week. I'll get more into what that means and how that looks like. But trusting God's will really first begins with you trusting in God. Trusting in God, it begins first with you seeing for who God is and who He is in your life. Recognizing that God in His relationship with you, recognizing His characteristics and His love for you. Jesus says in John 10, 14, He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own knows me. Guys, do you know your great shepherd? Do you trust Him? So that when he does reveal his will to you, you're ready to follow it. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your shepherd in life, as your host, as the one who will care for you, protect you. He's your shield. He's your rock. He's the one who will keep you forever. Do you know him? Because if you do, this Psalm 23 is everything to you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your great shepherd, Psalm 23 did is really the anthem of your life. You see, Psalm 23 is not a challenge for you to follow God. It's a reminder to you 
of who God is. That in your weakness, in your weariness, that though you may not be faithful, Psalm 23 is reminding you that God has remained faithful to you and He will be your strength. He has not forgotten you. And if you're off the righteous path, we know that the Lord will leave the other 99 sheep to find you and bring you back into His fold. He will pursue you to restore your soul. Our God, our God is not a harsh God, not towards His people. I know after hearing a whole sermon series on Revelation, it's a good reminder to know that our God is not a harsh God, not towards His people. He is gracious, He is caring, and He provides all that we need, and He satisfies all that we desire. Our God is a good God. And where else then would you want to go? Where else then, in the midst of your studies, in the midst of your semester right now, in the midst of this year, whatever trial you may be facing, whatever you're wrestling with, different thoughts, different anxieties, I don't know how some of you are dealing with your situation. I mean, some of you guys might be cool, like this semester is easy, I'm just chilling right now. But for the rest of us, for the rest of you guys, I mean, some of you guys are probably just trying to gut it out. You're trying to get through the next week or so so you can get to Thanksgiving break, right? Some of you guys may be tempted to, to say, I, I just want to run away. I just want to go home, feel safe, be my bed. Other of you guys might try to find escape through other means, through playing sports, basketball, badminton, whatever other exercise out there, video games, TV shows, music. Perhaps you're trying to find escape in dating, your girlfriends, boyfriends. But none of those places, guys. None of those places, none of those things you're trying to do are as good or as safe as being in the arms of your good shepherd. He, and he has not left your side at all, at any second. Even when you're pursuing all those other things to find comfort and security, God has not left your side for one second. Even you're seeking solace under some other rock, God is still there pursuing you. And what other better place is there than hide yourself under the wings of your Lord? Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28-29, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is our great shepherd, and nothing and separate us from his steadfast love. And so your trust in God then begins first with you knowing your shepherd, knowing your host, knowing your king, knowing your savior. God knows his own. How well then do you know his voice? And so then the big idea is to trust in the Lord throughout your life as he shepherds, honors, and pursues you. Let me end just by reading through the entire psalm again. And this time just, just imagine yourself as the one who's saying this psalm to David, or to, to, to your Lord. Imagine yourself speaking to God. Think about your relationship with Him. Here it says, The Lord, 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us into your fold. For pursuing us constantly, persistently. For never letting us go. For not losing a single one of us. God, we are, we are helpless without you. So thank you, God, for being our shepherd, our protector, our provider. And Lord, I pray for all of us here. That, that Lord, in whatever trials we may face, we may remember that you are by our side. And that you will constantly walk with us. You will lead us. You will guide us. And we will not be in want. We will not lack anything. Because God, we have you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for caring about us. And for loving us. You're indeed a good and gracious God. So, Lord, let us then sing praise to you. I pray all this in your name. Amen.